0: Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. Right this if you have your copy of God's Word, if you'll turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 1. The book of Genesis chapter 1. You know, um, um, I'm beginning a new series for the next couple of weeks this morning. And, um, and I want to talk about uh, I'm titling it Blessed Just As Your Soul Prospers. And so um, all these years that I've been here, I've only maybe preached one, uh, one, two or three messages on giving and on tithing and all that. So uh, over the years, I remember preaching a message called Abundant Blessing a couple of years ago in 2017 or 18. And uh, of course, on Wednesday night, on Thursday nights, one time we went through the blessed life with Robert Morris. And so I only remember a couple of times of preaching uh, on being blessed or given. But a few weeks now, I've been preparing as the Lord has led me. Uh, I want to talk about the blessing of God uh, this morning, uh, which is more than just teaching and preaching about money. If you leave here this morning and all you hear is a sermon about money, you've missed it because what I want to talk about this morning is not just money, but I want to talk about the prosperity of the soul this morning and the prosperity of the soul. You know, when I was a kid, I remember vaguely uh, as a little boy uh, in the early 70s, I as a little boy, like most little boys, had a fascination with uh, space and being an astronaut and all of those things. And I remember as a little boy sitting and watching a black and white TV uh, as I watched. I don't even remember uh, what particular uh, launch into space it was. But I remember sitting there watching on that black and white TV um, astronauts going into space. And I remember as that rocket took off into space, I began to, as, as you've seen in those days, the rockets would would shed the rocket boosters would shed off of the rockets as they propelled and picked up thrust as they were going into space and I remember seeing part of that rocket fall off and in my mind as a kid I thought something was wrong with the rocket that uh, that it was broken that something was being broken and I remember saying something to my grandfather and I remember my grandfather saying no uh, what's happening is is that those, those boosters fall off so that, the, so that the astronauts can get enough thrust... to pull away from the gravitational pull of the Earth. So that, that those were just stages of which that rocket propelled itself into outer space. And as they picked up thrust, they began to break away from the gravitational pull um, of the Earth. And so as I thought about that, as that came to my remembrance, I was thinking... uh, This week, I was thinking, you know, God had to do something for us as believers to break the gravitational pull of paganism and worldliness in our life, that God had to do something. I mean, uh, you know, salvation frees us from the law, the curse of sin and death in our life, but to live prosperously or to live a life of prosperity... There are things that God has given us that helps us pull away from the gravitational pull of paganism and worldliness in our lives. And uh, I thought about the children of Israel. When God brought them out out of Egypt, he had to establish two things in their life that broke the gravitational pull of paganism in their life. The first thing that God did was, is that God had to teach them to hear his voice To hear his voice. Exodus chapter 19, we have the story of Moses going up on the mountain and God speaking to Moses and uh, coming down and Moses sharing what the word of the Lord was for the Israelites. And they began to tremble and began to be in fear. And they too, even hearing the word and the voice of God, began to tremble and fear came upon them. And uh, Moses said, This is the word of the Lord. And they kept saying, well, don't do that to us anymore. We're afraid to go up to this mountain or around to this mountain. But, the, but to break paganism, God had to teach the children of Israel first to hear his voice and to hear the voice of the word of God. You will break worldliness in your life if you'll begin to learn how to hear the voice of God in your life. And then he did a second thing, and that is recorded in Exodus 35, and uh, the second thing that he did was he, he, uh, he gave them worship. He called them to worship, a place of worship. He gave them a tabernacle to worship in, and he called them to worship. And in Exodus 35, we have God giving them the order and giving them, putting in a worship order for them and how to worship. So number one, he had to teach them how to hear his voice. And the second thing was, He had to put order in their worship. And it's interesting, when you read Exodus 35, it begins by uh, the children of Israel, as you know, there at Sinai, when when Moses and Aaron came down, they were worshiping an idol, and and so God had to break that off of them. And you all know the story. But later, God gave them instruction in Exodus 35 and how to worship. And verses 2 and 3 talk about honoring the Sabbath day. But the first instruction that God gave them about worship had to do with their giving and had to do with their offering, their offering to the Lord. And it wasn't about money because God did not give them a specific amount at this point uh, about giving. It it all had to do with what we see in verse 21, verse 22, 24, 29, 34, and in chapter 36 and verse 2, it had to do with their hearts, their heart being stirred, their heart being moved, their heart being stirred again. Um, uh, And throughout that chapter, uh, their hearts were stirred to give, stirred to to give unto the Lord. And so the first instruction God gave them was about giving and how to give and their willingness to give. I'm telling you that giving is an attitude of the heart this morning. It's not about keeping a regulation or a rule. Giving comes out of the heart. Giving comes out of the heart towards God and our heart toward God. And second, it comes out of obedience. Learning to be obedient to the Word of God. If you'll notice sometimes when I pray um, over the offering, I'll say bless every family according to their obedience to the word of God. That covers tithe, that covers offering, that covers every measure and level of giving that there is. And so I want to talk a little bit the next couple of weeks about the blessing of God, the prosperity of the soul. And so hang with me because there's a lot of teaching, there's a lot of information. And uh, when we start to talk about in church resources, our finances, our money, uh, in any way, Uh, it elicits a lot of responses. And so some atmospheres, some churches, some atmospheres, uh, they love to talk about prosperity. That atmosphere is there. There are some atmospheres, and it's almost like if you talk about money, it is a curse. Or you talk about prosperity, it is a curse. And uh, I want you to know that I know that over the years, uh, the word prosperity... Uh, and the word giving, all of those things have been abused in the, the Christ, Christianity and in Christendom. I know about how at times these things have been abusive or they've been mistaught or there's been information out there that's not necessarily biblical but has to do with greed and has to do with people building their own king. I understand all of that. and uh, And so... When we think about that this morning, and as I thought about that, as I began to think about teaching this, there is a true biblical prosperity. God wants to prosper his people, and God does want us to be prosperous, and uh, God wants us to be blessed. He wants us to walk in blessing. He wants us to walk with the blessing of his name upon our lives. 3 John verse 2 says this, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. And so we're going to get to Genesis in just a minute. And uh, Now, we have people in this congregation who love to give to God. I mean, they just love to give to God. And uh, we have people in this congregation who may have been a part of a ministry where they have felt taken advantage of or used. And what happens is, uh, is once you're offended, you won't let anyone say anything. Once you're hurt in an area, uh, that everything that is said about that area is processed as bad. And so sometimes when people have been offended in the area of giving our money, then what happens is they turn off everything. Even that which is biblical and that which is good, and and they they won't let uh, ministry be spoken to them in that particular area. And so, if you're here this morning and you have been through a situation where there's been abuse of money and ministry that you've been a part of or are been a, about, um, there are a few years ago there were uh, a few people that were coming to church here that was a part of a ministry. That was uh, uh, over in Kentucky, uh, and they were, uh, they were struggling because what happened was uh, they had a ministry that was a, a church plant, uh, kind of like how our church started, uh, and, they were, uh, and people had given huge amounts of money to purchase property. They were told the property was purchased, and the property was never purchased, and what ended up happening is the pastor ended up running off with all the money. And they never purchased the property, and uh, he poured the money into his own personal business, and and so he ended up. uh, Well, there were moral issues, and so it ended up devastating a whole congregation, and you know, and a lot of it was because there weren't proper checks and balances that were there to protect the congregation and protect even protect the pastor from himself, and so, and so. They walk through that. I sat and counseled with many of them on walking through that process of anger and disappointment of all of that that happens. That can happen in our lives. But I ask this morning that you would would open your heart and mind um, because you may be one or two decisions away from a miracle blessing being released into your life. Because through proper biblical prosperity, God can release miracles into your life financially. And many of you may be sitting here understanding that, knowing that God, through a miracle, transformed your life and your finances. And so God can do that. And so some of some of the principles we use, um, you know, some of these principles, um, you know, I know that me and Laura have come a long way in this area. I remember, you know, uh, we've been part of several socio-economical uh, rims in our life. And I know um, the, this, these principles work in, in life because they've worked for us. Some of these principles we used when we were believing God for groceries, Some of these principles we were using and putting into play in our life when we had needed money to pay our light bill or to have gas to get to work uh, during the week. And so we're not just saying something that we don't understand this morning because I know personally I've come a long way in this area. But when you begin to take the Word of God and the truths of the Word of God and begin to apply them to your life, God will move in a powerful and miraculous way in your life. And he sure will. And so we pray that you be in health, it says in the scripture. I'm a health preacher. I'm a healing preacher. Because God's word says that it's his desire that we prosper and be in health. It's God's will for you to be healed. And God's will for you to be healthy in life. So I am a healing preacher if you want to say it that way. Prosper even as your soul prospers. That scripture is interesting because it's not just talking about prosperity on the outward side. It's talking about an inward prosperity because prosperity runs two ways. There's a parallel movement in prosperity. As your soul prospers, so shall you prosper. As the inside prospers, so shall the outside prosper. But you can't prosper on the outside until you learn first to begin to prosper on the inside and prosper in the soul. What is the soul? The soul is your mind, your will, and emotions. And what John is saying is you can't prosper in your resources, in your life, in your relationships, in your business, in your career, in your occupation. You can't prosper outside until you first Prosper internally. And so that's what John is trying to communicate. So, in other words, until you got you got to the place that you can manage your emotions, manage your decisions, think the right way, learn the principles of God. As you prosper in the way you think and manage yourself, then your life will take on the same prosperity this morning. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? Until you begin to to allow your decisions to be right and allow your thinking to be right and to allow these areas of of your emotions to be balanced and be right, as your soul prospers on the inside, so shall you begin to prosper on the outside. And many Christians are wondering why they're not prospering It's because they're trying to prosper on the outside with not letting God do the work on the inside. Because in the prosperity of your soul will come the prosperity of the outward life in your heart. And so as you prosper and begin to manage yourself, your life will take on the same prosperity. Sometimes um, we first talk about the financial increase side of prosperity, and there are things that got to happen in me before they can start happening around me. Things have to start to change on the inside of you before things can begin to change on the outside of you. We got to start with the prosperity of the soul. Some of us have to come to the place that we realize, first of all, some of us have to come to the place where we realize God is a good God. Did y'all know that? Y'all know God is a good God. I mean, he is a good God. Matter of fact, he named himself Jirah, one who provides. He named himself El Shaddai, the God who's more than enough. Right? If God was withhelding is withhelding from and got joy from your from your poverty stricken situation. If God got joy out of you being in poverty and got joy out of your poverty-stricken life, why would he characterize his name by words such as Jehovah-Jireh, El Shaddai, right? The God who provides and the God who is more than enough. I don't know about you, but in my life, I've experienced the fact that God is more than enough, and hopefully you have too. And God just doesn't withdraw from us or keep from us. Those names are the words that characterize him by his name. Jehovah Rapha. He's our healer. And he, he doesn't carry the characteristic of that name only to watch you suffer economically. But I'm here to tell you this morning to declare there is a blessing that can change everything in your life. <laughs> I don't know if you all hear me or not. I said there is a blessing that can change everything in our life. The blessing of God can change everything. You know, Luke chapter 16, verse 11, as you're there in Genesis, I want to read this to you because this is a passage of Scripture that just hit me hard the last couple of weeks. Luke 16, 11 says this, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, is what it says. But there's... there's uh, The NIV says it like this if you've not been trustworthy in worldly wealth, which is money, worldly wealth, then it says this if you've not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? In other words, Jesus here is speaking with his disciples and he's saying, listen, if you can't manage what I give you in the natural, What I give you in this world, the materialism that I give you in this world, if you can't manage that correctly, why would I give you true riches? Why would I give you true riches? Jesus said this. He said, greater works that you shall do than I did. In other words, Jesus really wants to invest in us true riches. He wants to give us true riches are not just money and material things, but he wants us to give us true riches like authority in our life, to walk with authority and power in our life, to walk with an anointing, to walk in the fullness of the Spirit and the power of God and the wisdom of God, the ability to walk. I say it like this, the ability to walk supernaturally, naturally. Huh? Huh? How many know God wants to equip us and give us true riches that we walk supernaturally, naturally? That that's part of our lives. I can give you, Jesus said, I can give you the real stuff. How can I give you the real stuff if you can't manage this stuff? If I can't trust you with what I give you materially, how can I trust you with spiritual resources? In other words, if we can't be obedient in what God gives us in the natural how can God trust us with the responsibility of walking with spiritual riches in our life? Because if we mismanage the natural, we're certainly going to mismanage the spiritual. I don't know, but that's good preaching, y'all. I don't know. I'm going to aim myself in a minute. That's deep stuff. That's deep stuff. Bottom shelf cookies. Y'all hear me? I mean, that's good stuff. I mean. I don't know about you, but I I want God to give me the true riches. I want true riches. So in order to open our lives up for the true riches, we have to be able to manage what God gives us in the natural. In other words, he wants to send the real stuff to us, but we we have to pass the test of managing the real stuff. The spiritual can't get to us because we don't handle the natural right. And so, I mean, this is a scriptural principle. You say, well, where is it? Well, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the apostle Paul talks about it. He actually gives us God's protocol. He says this. He says, first the natural, then the spiritual. In other words, what Paul is saying, first God reveals the natural to us, and then he brings the spiritual. The Old Testament was a type and shadow of the New Testament. The Old Testament was a material, natural picture of the realities of the New Testament. Paul said, first comes the natural and then the spiritual. In other words, build the wineskin, and then I'll pour in the wine. And so, the first Adam was the natural. The last Adam, Jesus, was the spiritual. The Bible says if you touch it on earth, it shall be done by your Father in heaven. In other words, pray for it in the natural, and then God will move things in the spirit. So how we respond in the natural dictates what we receive spiritually. Now, I don't know about you, but I want the real thing this morning. I want spiritual riches this morning. I want the spiritual. I want what God has for me. I want all that God has for me. I want the prosperity of my soul, but out of the prosperity of my soul, I want my natural things to be blessed and to prosper in the natural things. I want to prosper relationally. I want to prosper in my job. I want to prosper in every area. I want to prosper in my health. I want to prosper in every area of our lives. But we have to be willing to allow our soul to first prosper. I believe the blessing is about to come on us if we'll allow it. And so the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about the blessing. The blessing of God. Turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 1, and I want to read a few verses of Scripture to you. You're very familiar with these few verses of Scripture, but you may not have seen these like this this morning. Hallelujah. Man, whoo! <laughs> good stuff. That's good stuff. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling good up here this morning because I believe there are many of you who have walked in the frustration of wondering where the blessing of God is on my life. Why it's not there. Where has it gone? Many of you have wondered, am I really walking in everything that God has for me? Well, we're going to unlock that this morning. And you're going to begin to walk in the fullness of everything that God has for you. Genesis chapter 1, let's look at verses 26 and 28. And I love the book of Genesis. And uh, I love what Ken Ham says. Ken Ham says that the attack on the church is not so much on the church in itself, but Ken Ham says that if you could, men, if men can disprove Genesis 1 chapters 1 to 11, if man could find a way to disprove the book of Genesis, then he disproves all of Christianity, because in the book of Genesis, in the beginning, is everything of the essence of who we are. In Christ Jesus. Everything. And uh, I want to encourage you. Uh, Mr. Don has a book out there on, on the fundamental truths. And it goes through the book parts of the book of Genesis. It's a great book. And it's $10. If you donate to it, all those proceeds go to the church. And, uh, and it's a great book. It's a great teaching. Don spent a lot of time putting that together. And it's a great book. If you have not gotten it, I want to encourage you to get it. But in verses 26 through 28, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. He made him male and female. He created them. Then God then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over it, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, in verse 26, God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. Now, I love this. Um, This is, in the beginning, God gives a dominion mandate for mankind. That's what this is. It's a dominion mandate for you and I. And uh, uh, that's not originated with me. That's Miles Monroe used to say that this is God's dominion mandate. God's dominion mandate. God's original plan for Adam And and even though that was God's original plan for Adam, even though Adam fell, that plan has not changed for mankind. God still has a dominion mandate for his people. Adam lost it, but the last Adam, Jesus, restored it back to us. And now we have access to the keys to this aspect of the kingdom of God. And we can bring these blessings back into our lives even though Adam had lost it. Now, there are several ways in the Bible that blessing comes. Look at verse uh, 28. It said, Then God blessed them. Then God blessed them. Now, there are several ways in Scripture in which blessing comes into our lives. I can speak the words of blessing, right? We can speak blessing over, over each other, we can speak the blessing of God over people. I've, uh, I've decided that um, at the end of services now, um, that I want to, over every service, I want to begin to speak a blessing over each of your lives. And one of my favorite in Scripture is found in Numbers chapter 6 and verse 22. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and, it, and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. How many know that's a great blessing to have in our lives? So we can speak blessing. We can bless each other by speaking blessing. The power of the spoken blessing. And and I would say that that's something that you should do every day. You should speak blessing every day. You should speak blessing over your family. You should speak blessing, uh, even speak blessings over your enemies. (laughs) How many know, know, just ask God to bless your enemies. How many know you speak blessing over your enemies, God can turn them to have favor towards you. To speak blessing over, over our enemies. Others around us speak blessing over your company, over your uh, uh, if you own a company, over the ownership uh, as a company. Speak blessing over your wife, over your husband, over your children, and and really the word blessed means in the the word there means to speak well of, um, to speak well of in your tongue. I mean, know the Bible says that in the tongue is the power of life and death. And so when you speak blessing over someone, you're speaking life into them. You say, well, my my children are crazy. Well, that's all right. We know they're crazy. But if you'll begin to speak blessing over them, I believe God will turn that thing around and begin to speak and prophesy into their life, speak the blessing of God over their life. And so we can speak blessing. That's one way that we we can... uh, We can bless. We can also bless. uh, The Bible says this. It says in Psalms 133 that that how blessed it is for, for for everyone to dwell in what? Unity. That when we dwell in unity as the brethren, the Bible says, and then God does what? He commands a blessing to be upon us. How many know there's power in unity? You know... The tool, the wiles of the devil in this age, listen to me, is to build a fence between brothers and sisters in Christ. His, his, What we're seeing played out in the natural world is what the enemy is trying to do in the spiritual world. He's trying to bring division in the church and in the body and among God's people. And he wants to bring division. But God says this, how good is it When brethren dwell together in unity, it's there, there, it says that God commands a blessing on our lives. Thank God for blessing. Thank God for the blessing of unity. Michelle did a great job on Wednesday night talking about the blessing of God and the unity of the brethren when we come together. What happens is, when we come together and we dwell in unity, we forget what divides us, and when we come together as the body of Christ and as the people of God, what happens is, the same blood that saved me is the, we realize the same blood that saved me is the same blood that saved you. The same God that held you up is the same God that holds me up. And we come to God on common ground. And that's the blood of Jesus. And when we're there on common ground, it's at that common ground, that unity of common ground where the blessing of God comes upon us when we dwell in unity together in the body. Hallelujah. And so we can speak unity. We can speak we can speak blessing over others and we can know The unit, when we're in unity, God speaks a blessing over us. But look at verse 28. The Bible says, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, he said, Be fruitful. That means to bear fruit. He said, To multiply. That means to increase or prosper. He said, fill the earth. That means to occupy it. And he said, subdue and have dominion. That means to rule your world. To have dominion over your world. To have dominion over your world. God told Adam, for those of you... (laughs) I'll just say this. For those of you who don't like the preaching of prosperity... You're going to need some itch cream here from here on out to get you through the rest of the service. God's first words, be fruitful. None of those things, none of those things could not happen or have power to do it if it wasn't for the word that is right before that. God said what? He said be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue and have dominion. None of that is possible. None of that would have been possible for Adam had God not said what he said right before he gave those commands. What did he say? He said, and then it said, and then God blessed them. God blessed them. And when God blessed them, then they could be fruitful. Then they could multiply Then they could fill the earth. Then they could subdue it. Then they could have dominion with the blessing. Now, this is an interesting word. I love this word, by the way. And uh, the word in the Hebrew is, is the word barak. Barak is the word. The blessing of God, listen, let me just say this. The blessing of God is not transactional. We're so... In our minds, we think the blessing of God is transactional. When people talk about the tithe or the offering or giving, in fact, we think of it as it being some kind of transactional thing that we have with God. It's not transactional. In other words, people say, well, if I slip God a 20, then he'll send me back a 50, right? <laughs> if, I, if I give somebody my used car, God's going to give me a new car. Somehow we think the blessing of God is a transactional thing, and we even teach that sometimes, and we make the mistake at times, and and we've all done it, where you give to God, God will give back to you. That's a true statement. God will give back to you, but the blessing of God in our life has nothing to do with some transaction that you have. It's not about money. It never has been. God don't need our money. You all understand that? God doesn't need our money. The tithe and offering is God's management system to see if we can manage that properly. So material is proof to God that I can handle the spiritual. Handling the material, being being obedient with what God gives me materially proves to God that I can handle the spiritual. Spiritual. We beg God for the spiritual to come. We beg God for miracles. We beg God for healings. And the whole time, we ignore every key to the kingdom that God has given us. In other words, like it says in Luke 16, he can't trust you with this. If he can't trust you with worldly wealth, how in the world am I going to give you heavenly stuff? Now, this is interesting because the word tithe... Basically, from Webster's or from, you know, our American definition, means tenth. But really, the word tithe has a deep Hebrew meaning. And it's a a deeper, we're going to talk about that later, but it has a deeper Hebrew meaning. It's really powerful. Knowing God says that I want you to take a tenth and bring it and bring me the tenth. God says, bring me the tenth. God put something on Adam. Now it says, "And God blessed them." God put His blessing on them. Now it's interesting because when we think of this, the blessing is not an activity, as much as a thing that God had put on them. In other words, blessed it means it means that a uh, a result of divine favor is what it means empowered to prosper, called the blessing. And so what happened was God put on Adam. He empowered Adam to prosper. He empowered Adam to with favor and allowed Adam to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue it, and have dominion. It's not something that God was doing for Adam on a daily basis, but... God pronounced in on Adam that he would carry such a blessing in Genesis 1. Now, here's what's interesting. It's the same word, this word blessing. I love this word. This word blessing is the same word that is used in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. Turn there with me if you would. The book of Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. It's the same word that is used. This is what it says. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing. Now, then it says that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, I want you to see something. There in verse uh, verse 10 there, it says, "...and pour out for you such blessing." That word such is in italics, right? That, that wasn't in the original language. So it really reads like this, that there may be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not open, if I, if I will not open for you windows of heaven and pour out for you blessings. Not such blessings, but blessings. Now this is a, this is a powerful word. God didn't say, "Bring the tithe and I will bless you." He said, "I'm going to, I'm going to put, I'm going to put this on you." In other words, I'm going to pour out on you, blessing, when you bring the tithe into the storehouse, the tent that belongs to God. God is not just going to bless you. It's not just about Him blessing you, but it says that He's going to pour out. His blessing on you. It's something that comes on you. And so when we're obedient in the giving to God and obedient in our tithe, there is a something that comes on us. The blessing of God comes on us which allows us to be fruitful in our lives. And so, again, we have to get out of the mindset that this is transactional, that we do this uh, for God and He'll do this back. It's not about that. What it's about is, and I love, I, love, I love this word, and here's what this word really means, the word blessed here. It means this. It means, it means benefits. It means favor. It means a bountiful soul. So when God says he's going to pour out his blessing on us, it means that there are benefits. There's the bountifulness of the soul. And there is a favor that comes on you. So, when you're obedient and you're giving, and we give to God what belongs to God, there is a blessing. There is a blessing that comes on you, on your life. There's a favor that comes on your life. There's benefits that come on your life. This is not transactional. This is life. This is God, you know, God fulfilling His word. How many are thankful the blessing of God can come on you through our giving? Woo, I'm telling you, I love this. And listen, this is the word blessing there, the original root means to bow, it means to be obedient. So when we bow a knee, really in the the Hebrew, when you look it up, one of the terms is to bow the knee, that's submission to God. We submit to God. When we submit to God, He puts the blessing of God, and it means to have favor. It means to have benefits. It means, uh, you know, it means having benefits of gifts of all kinds, is what it means, the bountiful soul. And look what it says. This is what I like in Malachi. It says, look at the last verse. It says, and there will not be room enough to receive it. You know what that means? It's really a generational statement. It means the blessing of God will come on your life with favor and benefits and bountifulness of the soul that one generation can't hold it. It'll spill out into the next generation, to the next generation, and to the next generation. It means that you, you, there's not enough to receive it. In other words, you can't handle it all by yourself. It'll spill out into your children and your children's children. Woo! That's good stuff, y'all. How many are thankful for the blessing of God that comes on your life? Because it's not just about you, and it's not just about me, but it's about generations that follow. (laughs) Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. I want to tell y'all something. I started tithing when I got saved. Immediately. I didn't understand it all. But I want you to know that even if you don't understand all of it, God will pour out his blessing on your life. (laughs) And it won't just be on you, but it'll be on your children. Right? He'll bless your children. I mean, I stand up here this morning as a blessed man. I'm a blessed man this morning because of the blessing of God that's on my life and the blessing of God that's on my children. I mean... I mean, God is so good. I mean, He is so good. I'm overwhelmed with the blessing of God. In every aspect of your life. I mean, I've recently just been overwhelmed with the blessing of God that is on my children. You know, my daughter Caroline, she's going to school and she doesn't have to pay for it. She's getting her master's and doctorate degree. She don't even have to pay for it. You say, well, that's just coincidence. No. I believe that when we began tithing, we weren't just tithing for us. We were tithing for our children and the next generation. And the favor of God that is on them comes from that which runs over or that which is there's so much we can't receive it. Oh, (laughs) That one generation, listen, as a church, if we will learn this principle of giving and we will give and we will give into God, the blessing of God will be poured out on this body and it'll be such a blessing that it'll overflow, not just for us and the blessing that we find for us, but it is going to pour out into the next generation that follows us. Woo! Maybe it's just me this morning, but I'm telling you. The key that unlocks that which God puts on you. And he walks with you everywhere you go. And all you do, it causes you to prosper. (laughs) God gave... God put this on Adam. He put the blessing on Adam, and everything around him prospered. Everything around him prospered. Thank you, Jesus. God put this on Abraham. And the scripture says that his descendants became like the sand of the sea and the stars of the heavens. God put that on him, He put it on Abraham. And the blessing of God poured out not only on Abraham, but the generations after him. And his generations became as the sand of the sea and the stars of the heaven. The Bible says the same blessing on the last Adam is the same blessing on Jesus. And now it falls on us, on you and me. And the same Hebrew word, when you bring the tithe, is the same word in the garden. The same word for blessing in the garden is the same word that God used in the book of Malachi when he was calling men to bring the tithe. So the blessing was the key to Adam and God's cooperation. Adam and God's cooperation for God to continue to have dominion in the earth. Adam sinned and lost this divine empowerment. Satan became the God of. Of this world, as Ephesians 2 tells us. The blessing was the key to Adam's walking in dominion. Adam's walking in dominion came through the fact that God poured out blessing upon him. But the blessing was revoked, and the enemy became the ruler of the earth. Now, stay with me. I'm going somewhere this morning. When I started looking at this, I thought about, I saw this in the Old Testament. I thought the first conflict God had in the Bible over the tithe or over this principle of the tithe, the first conflict that God had was there in Genesis 1. And then the last conflict over the tithe is in Malachi 3. So it starts with a conflict and it ends with a conflict later in Malachi about the tithe the first and last conflict in the Old Testament about the tithe. It's interesting when you begin to think about this. I begin to look at this and I thought to myself, now, we look at it as the tithe. The tithe was not The tithe was not the end, end. it was a means to the end, to the blessing. The tithe in Malachi was the reestablishing, the blessing of God in our lives. Now, when we say, let's bring the tithe in the storehouse, it's not about the 10%. It's not about the money. It's not about programs. It's not about staff. It's not about good children's ministry or, 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 you know, technology presentation. It's about me keeping the blessing on my life so that I'm empowered no matter where I go and what I'm doing, I'm walking with this thing that is on me. The tithe has nothing to do with just the tenth. It's not about money. The tithe is about God pouring out His blessing on you so that wherever you go, you have favor. No matter what you do, God is with you. When you walk in the bank, you have blessing on you. When you're negotiating a deal, you have the blessing of God on you. When you're tilling a field or a garden or working in a a farm field, the blessing of God is on you. When you're selling insurance, the blessing is on you. If you're selling houses, the blessing is on you. If you're teaching children, the blessing is on you. Wherever you go, there is this thing on you. So we have to get out of our mind it's over. It's about money. But I'm telling you this morning, it's about the blessing we give because we want the blessing of God to be upon our lives this morning. Hallelujah. I want the blessing of God on my life when I walk in and when I walk out. When I go and when I come. When I speak or when I don't speak. Because it's about being obedient. Now, it wasn't called the tithe with Adam, but the principle was there. God didn't call Adam to give a tithe, but the principle was there. And, and it wasn't called the tithe, but the principle was there because Adam didn't have to harvest anything. The concept of work didn't come till after man had sinned. And so there's the principle But it wasn't called the tithe in Adam's day because God put everything Adam needed in the ground. You hear what I'm saying? In the ground. Adam was in a world that responded to his blessing, the blessing that was on him. Adam lived in a world that responded to that blessing. The scripture tells us that God had put every seed in the ground and that that everything Adam needed grew. He didn't have to plant. He didn't have to harvest. Because the world he lived in responded to the blessing of God that was on Adam. Now, look at Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17 with me this morning. I'm almost there where I want to get. Verse 17 of chapter 3. And then Adam, he said, Because you have heeded, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of. Now, this wasn't about Eve, his wife. Because you've listened. Listen, this was about God saying to Adam, You have listened to instruction other than mine. That's what it was about. God told Adam, he said, Listen, you listened to instruction that was instruction other than the instruction that I gave you. And so God cursed the ground, right? And so, and so he cursed the ground. But the ground now is cursed. Now the ground has a right to resist you because you no longer have the blessing. You hear what I'm saying? God cursed the ground. Now the ground no longer responded to the blessing that was on Adam because he lost it. Now, the ground had a resistance to Adam. It resisted him because the blessing was no longer on him. He had lost it. He had lost the blessing. See, some of you are frustrated and depleted, and you have had so many repeated failures, time and time again, even with all of your efforts and good intentions. You go, you take a step forward and get knocked. Two steps back. You've got to understand that what's, what's happened is everything around you has the right to resist you if you don't have the blessing of God on your life. And there is a blessing that is on the tithe. And when you tithe, there's a blessing that's on you. And that blessing gives you favor. There's benefits that come with it. That blessing that follows you and goes with you. And a blessing of God breaks through financial, spiritual, family, relational. Every area of your life, there's a blessing that comes upon you. Everything Adam walked in conjunction with and turned around and began to resist him. The blessing was removed. That divine empowerment to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue it and have dominion see i can take this blessing that was on adam and this blessing can come on my life through the tithe with the blessing listen to me this morning with the blessing on your life things things that tried to touch you can't touch you anymore things that want that try to happen to you, can't happen to you anymore. Things that were out of your reach are now going to be able to come into your reach. Places you couldn't occupy, now you're going to walk in them because of the, blacking, because of the blessing. The lack of blessing may keep, may keep you up. Now you're going to be able to go in. And I believe today as you bring your tithe and offering this morning that there's a blessing that's going to come on you And going to come on us as we obey the word of God. Now, as I said, God didn't require Adam to give a tenth. But the principle of the tenth and the tithe was there for Adam. Some scholars call it, I like what Arthur Pink says, he calls it divine portion. In other words, Adam was required a divine portion. Just as you and I with the tithe were required a divine portion. In other words, there's a portion of God's blessing on our life that belongs to God. It only belongs to God. He gets a tenth, and we get 90. That's a pretty good deal, right? But there's a divine portion. That divine portion is what belongs to God. That belongs to him. That's not ours. That's his. And when we're obedient in that area, he pours out the blessing on our life. Woo! I'm telling you. Praise God. That just brings a whole new reality through the blessing of God that I walk in in my life. I can walk with peace. I can walk. i got divine protection. I've got God moving and working in my life. Why? Because the blessing is on me. Woo! Yes, Jesus. Yes. I'll take it if you don't want it. Hallelujah. But the same principle, that divine principle. In other words, God put Adam in the garden, did he not? He said, eat all you want, Adam. You see this garden? You can eat it all. Eat everything you want to eat. Eat as much as you want, except this one tree. If you eat off of it, there's a curse that comes. This is my portion. This is my portion. Don't touch this tree. This is a portion that belonged to God. Don't eat off of it, because if you do, there's a curse that comes with it. Listen, can I tell you that curse is a part of natural disobedience. Whenever we are disobedient to God in any area of our life, there is a measure or consequence. We call it consequence, but... It really is curse. When we disobey God's word in certain areas, there's consequences that come. There's curses that come on us for there are disobedience to God. Obedience, there's blessing. Disobedience, there's cursing. But thank God, the blessing of God reverses the curse. (laughs) Hallelujah. How many are glad Jesus reversed the curse? The blood of Jesus reversed the curse in our life. He delivered us from sin. And the curse that comes with sin no longer can reign in our life because of the blood of what the blood of Jesus has done. And he gave us life through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. So the garden was a principle of the tithe. God said, don't eat what's mine. We come to Moses. And now in Moses, the tabernacle... God says you can have the outer court and the inner court. But he says my presence dwells behind this curtain in the ark. That's my portion. If you enter into that, what happens? You die. This is mine. This is my portion. You come through the 12 tribes of Israel. They all got their inheritance But God said, separate the Levites unto me. They belong to me. They're not your servants. They're my servants. This is my portion. This deed, they belong to me. They're mine. When it comes to our money, the Bible says nothing about the 90%. You can spend the 90% out however you want to spend the 90%. But God says, the tithe is mine. If you eat from my tree, you die. You go behind the curtain, you die. The Levites are mine. The tenth is mine. God says, if you can't manage the natural things, how can I trust you with the spiritual things? But I believe that as we obey God in our giving, that there's a blessing of God that comes out on us. When we're obedient to him and we give to him the portion that he requires us to give, there is a blessing that is released in our life. I mean, I've heard the testimony of people that have literally gotten out of debt when they begin to start tithing. They begin to give. God begin because here's what God will do. God will give you supernatural strategy. He'll give you a plan. God will give you favor. He'll give you favor when it comes to debt in those areas of your life. God will begin to work in ways that you never thought God could work. And the next thing you know, all of a sudden, you were up to your ears in debt, and you were drowning in financial hardship. And all of a sudden, you learn to give to God what was God's. And all of a sudden, God began to turn that thing around. And breakthrough began to happen in your life. And guess what happens? God pours out his blessing on you. And you're blessed. And you have the benefits of that blessing. And so now, instead of being strapped financially, now you can give to missions. Now you can give to the work of God. Now you can give to what matters to God and what God puts on your heart, and there's freedom that you have. Hallelujah. Glory to God. you all getting this this morning? <laughs> Praise God. I want you to know I'm blessed this morning. I am blessed. The word storehouse, it says, Brandon. it Bring your tithe into the storehouse. The word storehouse means well. It means where do you drink from? That's your storehouse. Where do you drink from? Where's your well? Where do, you, where do you get nourishment from? Where do you get spiritually fed from? Where do I give my time? You give it to the storehouse. You give it to the well that you drink from. Hallelujah. In the coming weeks, we're going we're to talk about the blessing of God. The prosperity of God of the soul. How to manage our natural lives. I mean, Rick Curry set this up for us, did he not? I mean, what a great series of messages on the door, and the hinges of the door. Our spiritual authority and our natural authority. The tenth is one hinge, and the ninety is the other hinge. Pastor Adam, if you come, guys, if you'll, Get ready, we're gonna take our morning tithe and offering. <laughs> Man, if you can't tithe after that, glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. You say, well, why, Pastor, why'd you wait to the end to take the tithe? Because this is, this is what I'm believing. I'm believing beginning today. Today. Beginning today. As you are obedient and you're giving. As you are obedient in your tithe, I believe that God is going to pour his blessing out on you. Now, I don't know about you. He's already been pouring his blessing out on my life. I'm thankful. You know, there's things God can spare you you from through the blessing of God. It's not transactional. It's a lifestyle of obedience to God. Just give God a chance. Just try God and see. The blessing means the bountifulness of the soul. It really means, the Hebrew root root word really means peace of the soul. To have peace of the soul. To be peaceful in the soul. You ever met people that are just unrestful in their life? I mean, it's like they got no rest. I mean, you know their soul was not even peaceful. Everything's a frantic. Everything's a everything's a, a a a race and a run. And they, you know, they don't stop for not they can't even sit peacefully in the presence of God. It's because their soul is not at rest. There's no prosperity of the soul. There's no peace. They live in angst. They live in the trauma of this world. They live in the trauma of living. Good gifts. Blessing means gifts of all kind. Favor. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, You can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.